What's up, everybody? How are y'all? Awesome. Hey, that good, huh? Sounds like everything's going really well. <laughs> no, that'd be good. We can talk to each other. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so everybody's doing good? Man, well, welcome back. Yes, welcome back. Who was here last year? A few hands. Cool, man. Well, we're excited to be here, and we're excited that you guys are here. I know that it doesn't feel like the beginning of school anymore, because school's been going on for several weeks now. A lot of you probably are getting ready for your first exam, which is kind of insane. So, um, but we're glad to be kicking things back off. Yeah, we. Uh, so we met last year, kind of finished up. When we started last year, we were still in Matthew. Finished up Matthew. Started. Was last year the first year we did late night? No. This is our third. Yeah. This is number three. Wow. Third kickoff. Mm. There you go. So we and then we met during the summer. And so who was here for the summertime? Summertime group. It was a small, much smaller. Tony came. Tony was there. Jackie was there. Some. I don't know. Twice. Twice. Literally some. Literally twice. Very small some. Yeah. A couple of times. Well, hey, and now we're picking back up where really where we left off. So um, if, you're, if tonight's your first time ever coming to late night, um, welcome. It's a, uh, we like to, uh, hopefully it's not too formal of an environment to where uh, it's, uh, we try to keep it laid back. Keep it light. Uh, we're excited about this time. So um, before we get started, maybe, uh, I don't know, what should, we, what should, we, should we say anything? Yeah, I think so. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Matt, we're not recording yet, are we? Oh, yeah. No, don't put it on. <laughs> okay, so that, that's a good yeah. intro yeah, to okay. some new things we're going to yeah, do. Absolutely. So there's a few things that we do. There's a few <laughs> no, things that we do weekly. No, um, and then there are uh, there's some things that we're going to be doing that are new. So a couple of things that we do every year as we meet together. as we, Before we begin our time each week, um, we recommend a resource. Sometimes that's a podcast. Sometimes that's a sermon, a book, a blog. Um, there's a lot of different things that we kind of recommend and point you guys to. Um, so we're going to do that in a moment. A few things that are new that we're doing this year. Um, first, we started thinking about our inability to connect with you guys outside of this setting, apart from you guys like being friends with us on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And so we created a Twitter. Do you guys still use Twitter? Is that still a thing? I use it. No, this guy's like, nope. No, just one bottle. That's all I got. I like that bottle. I, I used to. I feel like it's a main. I feel like it's kind of middle of the road. Like yeah. You got a lot of things on the fridge. Twitter's a lot of high. resources. Like it's They'll a lot of resources, a lot of things. So if you have a Twitter, if you don't make one, like it would be beneficial for you to be able to keep up with what's going on here. So how we're going to utilize Twitter, 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 is that we are going to share our resources there each week. And so we won't have to rely on Jacqueline's handwritten notes um, to get us through on what we're going to do. It. It. Absolutely. <laughs> um, of what the resources are each week. And if for any reason we have to cancel, um, that's the way that we're going to handle that. And so if you're on Twitter, like, then follow uh, Late Night on Twitter, um, and that will be beneficial for you. The second thing that we're going to be doing that's going to be totally new is we're going to podcast every week um and so andrew and i have wanted to do a podcast for a few years now we've talked about it and then 
we thought, well, like, what better time than this? Last year we tried to do notes for a while, but that's a lot of work, and so we cut that out. We're now we're getting math all the work, and we're just going to podcast it. So He's making a great salary, though, so don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> He's yes. being taken care of. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so anything you would add to all of those things? Oh, no, yeah. So, you know, our desire for this time each week is to be <clears throat> a place where we come and study the Bible, um, and, and, and our approach is to... Whether you've been reading and studying the Bible for a lot of years and walking with the Lord a lot of years, or whether you're not even a Christian, we want this to be a place where you can come and, and be engaged. So we say that to say, look, invite, invite the skeptic. Invite the person that you're trying to talk about Christ with or, or share the gospel with. Um, so, so any side of the, any, 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 any place on the spectrum, uh, we want this room to be a place where that person can come and, and grow and take their uh, next step towards the Lord. So, be invite, share, you know, do the pod, you know, share the podcast thing, um, and, and let's try to make the room bigger because, uh, you know, Kirk and I are not checking off any sort of like numbers box to, you know, pat ourselves on the back. But like, hey man, we really believe in what we're doing and um, in the Word of God. So, yeah. we would be foolish to say, you know, let as many people as that we can can get around that. That would be good. So, super simple, super casual. Yep. That's kind of what we like. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I think that's it. Well, let's let's do this then. Uh, so, each week we share resources that we hope you go buy. We hope you check out. Um, that you at least uh, write down. And now we're providing that for you on Twitter. And I'll tell you what, what we'll do over the next couple weeks is put the list for the last three years on Twitter somehow. So, we'll get that from Jackie and post that Um so if anybody wins the lottery, you guys can buy It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. So uh, you want to go first? I'll go first. All right, man. What do you got for us? Okay, so this is a, uh, a book that I've been enjoying over the past couple of weeks. Picked this guy up from a little bookstore called McKay's in, uh, in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, and so, hey, where's China? China loves McKay's, and I blew her mind Monday. With the fact that Tennessee has about five other McKay's. Yeah, there's one good one in Knoxville too. Really, <laughs> and that we were the one in Nashville. Yeah, never had food trucks in the parking lot. <laughs> so cool. Yeah, it's awesome. So, um, we uh, we're huge fans of the Puritans, um, and I have been reading a book called Communion with God by a guy named John Owen. Um, and so that's going to be my recommendation um, tonight. It's been been really good. I was shocked actually at how short the chapters were um, up to this point. It's been a really pretty easy read, um, really interesting. So I would recommend that. John Owen, Communion with God. That's great. John Owen's an excellent resource. <clears throat> Another one of my favorite books that he wrote uh, is a book called The Mortification of Sin. Um, John Owen's famous for this quote where he said, you better be killing sin or sin will be killing you. And uh, that's a great resource. Um, I want to recommend. I got two. Wow, right? we're starting that early. <laughs> I got two. I got two. Um, so my first one is this. My first one is a book called um, Christian Beliefs by Wayne Grudem. Um, so I thought, hey, first week I'm going to go like a theology resource. Wayne Grudem is a, a, a theologian that Kirk and I really appreciate and uh, just sort of really. Good guy, not doesn't have any wacky beliefs about you know. Well, hey, read this, but be careful with this. Or no, man, just get Grudem and read it. Uh, he's got a really thick systematic theology book, which if you're brave, um, 
and your class is not requiring a lot of reading right now, go for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the shorter version is called Christian Beliefs. And um, it just it, it's, it's um, 20, 20 basic beliefs that every Christian um, should kind of know. And, 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 uh, yeah. So I want to recommend that one. I'm going to save my next one for next week. I'll be already ahead next week. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, Owen, Grudel, man, good stuff. Cool. So, um, there's a lot of stuff you can read. Right? That's kind of why we do this part of it. Uh, even if you go into a Christian bookstore, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that you can read. And a lot of it is junk. Be blunt. Um, so what we want to do is also help ourselves understand what resources are there, which ones are good, and, and can kind of build our, our theology around. And they all point to, to one book, and, and that's God's Word, which is what we want to be about each week. So let's do that. Cool. All right, we're going to study Acts chapter 13 tonight and pick up from where we left off a couple weeks ago on our Thursday group. But you're like, man, I haven't been there. Like, no worries, because we're going to um, do a bit of review tonight for Acts chapter, uh, the whole book of Acts, really. So um, maybe that's where we start. Uh, The first thing that we can say is this is that you need to read the book of Acts, all right? Um, If you're going to come on Wednesday nights, at least maybe. Uh, at least maybe to where we are, to get a good understanding of kind of what's going on in the story of Acts. Um, so it would be a helpful to, to kind of chew on that this week maybe as well if you wanted to read um, the book of Acts. But So Kirk and I sat down and we said, look, for those who have not been coming, and tonight's the first night, let's come up with a main idea for the book of Acts that we can come around to say, look, everything we've seen thus far and really where we're going Here's here's what we're seeing, yeah. and Kurt wrote it down. I did, yeah. So if you take if you're taking notes, uh, yeah, write this down. If you're not, hey, start. Like this is a good thing to make a note. Even if you're of. like, I got no paper, no problem. Yeah, notes. absolutely, for notes. sure. Um, so the main idea of the book of Acts, it's a little. Uh, there's a lot of pieces here, but we'll we'll kind of talk through some of those as we as we go on. So, um, the Acts of the Word by the Spirit. For the spread of the gospel and the start of the church. So let me say that one more time. What's the main idea of the book of Acts? What are we seeing as we begin unpacking and continuing for some of us through this journey uh, over this over this book? The acts of the word by the spirit for the spread of the gospel and the start of the church. That's good. That's what we see in the book of Acts. That's good. You know, I always, it was a long time before I really realized that the the, the title for this book is descriptive of what we see in the book, <laughs> that it's acts. It's the actions, um, as we said, of, of how God's using his word by way of his spirit um, for, for these two main pillars of what we see, the spread of the gospel and the establishment of the church. Mm-hmm. So then we want to say, okay, if that's the main idea for the book, then how have we seen that thus far? Have we seen... Um, the acts of God's word through the power of his spirit for the spread of the gospel, the establishment of the church. Have we seen that thus far? Mm-hmm. Um, which immediately takes us to the beginning of the book in Acts chapter 2, which we know is the day of Pentecost when the spirit comes and, and, and massive belief happens. Mm-hmm. All these people become Christians. The Holy Spirit comes in power and the church is birthed. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's an awesome scene. Yeah. And then, so, so then in, in Acts uh, chapters 3 and 4, the apostles, which are kind of the main players of this book, then begin to take the gospel and, and, and really just begin to proclaim the gospel with this boldness that is odd, <laughs> you know, in yeah. light of what they're kind of facing and in light of, of the, uh, the animosity that they're experiencing. Um, but they proclaim the word, and we see that, it, that the church begins to grow, um, that they even have favor with some, and, and uh, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Um, yeah. yeah, powerful, powerful beginning to, to this book. Yeah, and so as we go into chapter 5 of the book of Acts, we've seen this mass repentance and belief. We've seen the boldness of the apostles, which is something that we will witness again and again yeah, through the, over, through the, over the course of this book, right? And so some of the things that we're talking about tonight, like we're actually going to see in our passage. We saw earlier on, but we're going to see it again tonight from Acts chapter 13. Um, we see this almost uh, what we've described as a uh, utopian society that the Spirit of God develops amongst this group of regenerate people, right? These, this group of people that who's been given new hearts, um, that, that beat for God and desire His will and desire His manifestation among them, right? And we see in chapter 5 the danger of disrupting the Spirit's work, right? And a couple of guys named Ananias and Sapphira, right? Um, who we actually talked about in this room uh, just a few months ago. And so... Um, yeah, we, we go from chapter 5 and, and we see the development of this utopian society, right? That we It's almost a small picture of what God is moving us towards in the new heaven and the new earth, right? Um, and then we see, and on, on the tail end of that, Stephen's murder, his martyrdom. Yeah. Um, Which has this, <clears throat> we read the story and are in some ways discouraged by what's happened now to God's God's man, right? His faithful servant of the Lord. But it acts to scatter the believers. From Jerusalem, they scatter outward. They get out of the city. And what happens is through the persecution of the church by way of Stephen's martyrdom, that the gospel begins to spread. Yeah. The, the pressing of God's people pushes them outward. A lot of them just for fear of their lives. But it has this effect to where the gospel begins to spread. And really, we fast forward to chapter 13 of Acts, and that's kind of where we are. The establishment of this church in Antioch has happened as a direct result of the scattering of Christians yeah. and, the, and the spread of the gospel. And, and now the church at Antioch, man, they're, they're on the ground, yeah. up and running, and that's kind of where we are right so now. So we're seeing, we, we see, we're seeing the development of the church universal, right, the Little C Catholic Church. And now we are, you know, coming through the establishment of the local church, yeah. right? And so we've yeah. got local and universal. We've got a mass number of believers, regenerate people. Saved by God's grace, right? And then we continue to see, even tonight, uh, what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So this church is so, in Antioch, is established to the point that they're now sending out international missionaries. The first international <laughs> yeah, missionary. Yeah, and, and they send out, um, man, what would those t-shirts have looked like? I hope Paul and Barnabas didn't... Um, Oh, they didn't wear their shirts to the airport at yeah, the same time. Probably That's not. a pet peeve of us, man. You want to tag yourself and they're like, wear the same shirt. Anyway, we're moving right along. Uh, so so they send them out, and we're going to pick up in verse 13 tonight um, with, with, with a stop, with kind of the first stop. Um, so tonight we're going to read a big hunk, verses 13 through the end of chapter 13, all right? So 
Verse 13 through 52, okay? So it's a big honk. But hang with us here, okay? So we're going to read. Kirk's going to pray for us, and then we're going to dive into making some observations. Uh, Verse 13 of Acts chapter 12. Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos to Perga in Pamphylia. And John left them and returned to Jerusalem. But they went on from Perga and came to Antioch in Poseidon. This is a, a, this is a different Antioch than they've come, through, come from. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. (laughs) We got some visitors this morning, right? You guys want to say something, stand up. So, man, Paul takes advantage. Verse 16, Paul stood up and motioning with his hand, he said, here's his sermon. Men of Israel. And you who fear God, listen. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with uplifted arm, he led them out of it. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. So Paul's walking through the history of Israel here, right? Then after that, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. And then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man from the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. And when he had removed uh, him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I found in David the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, a man after my heart who will do my will. Of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, What do you suppose that I am? I'm not he. No, but behold, after me one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent this, uh, the message of salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterances of the prophets for which they read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. So Paul saying, well, you guys didn't accept Christ, you all this, verse 28, and they, they found in him no guilt worthy of death. They asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God, verse 30, raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring to you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, he has fulfilled to us, uh, their children, by raising Jesus as also it is written, In the second psalm, you are my son, today I've begotten you. And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption. He has spoken in this way. I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he says also in another psalm, you will not let your holy one see corruption. 
Verse 36, for David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep, died, was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But, but he whom God raised up did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest what is said in the prophets should come about. Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe, even if one tells it to you. And they went out. And as they went out, the people begged that these things might be told to them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting in the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as uh, they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, so later that week, next week, the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. And when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord as many were appointed to eternal life believed. Verse 49, and the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them, went to Iconium. The disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hey, why don't we pray together? Father, thank you for uh, your grace and your mercy and for your word. And we pray tonight that as we approach it, we might do so um, in great humility and that we might do so um, with a posture of adoration for you, that we might desire to, to learn and to grow um, in light of what we see here and uh, in turn seek it to uh, apply it in a way in our lives that would bring much honor to your name. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 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 That's a long passage. <laughs> you need some water. I got a coffee, so I'm good. With caramel. All right, so so as we read that passage, I know it wasn't supposed to be like that, but it's good. Um, talk us a bit uh, through kind of the structure of the passage. Now, as we talk about that, we've just read a big hump. But when, as, as students of God's Word, we want to think through, okay, what's the what's the structure of of what we've read. What are the sections as they will help us to to understand what the author's saying and, and, and figure out what the main idea is and, and how we're to live this out ourselves. Yeah, so you guys were probably able to, as we were reading even, like distinguish between a couple of different themes and progressive like works going on within the passage. Um, what I want to do is I want to highlight uh, 
five of those broken down into two categories that we're then going to go back and make some observations about over the course of our time together. So um, the first thing that we see uh, from verses 13 to 41 is really this work, okay? And it breaks itself down into two sections. We see in verses 13 through 15, their arrival, okay? We see Paul and Barnabas's arrival um, at this particular location in this region. And then in verses 16 through 41, we see this sermon, right? It made up a majority of the passage that we read tonight. And so you have this work that, that, that kind of unfolds over the course of, uh, of, over the course of a handful of, of, of verses. Then you move into its results, right? Um, beginning in verse 42 and working through verse 52, um, we see in verses 42 and 43 this desire to hear more uh, from the people who have been at this point exposed um, to the gospel message, right? Um, and then we see in verses 44 through 47 this, um, this, this Sabbath, um, and then in verses 48 through 52 um, the belief of some. Right. Um, And then we kind of close out our our time together in this passage with a response to the hostility of uh, the people to the message of the gospel. So if you think about it in these two broad sections that Kirk talked about, that we see the work of the word, Mm -hmm. and then we see the response to the word. Yeah, which is mixed, right? It goes from one end of the spectrum to the other. There's a positive and there's a negative. You see this embrace, and then you see this um, rejection. And not just like a rejection like, hey, man, like you put that stuff in a sack and move on, right? But it's like really (laughs) hostile, right? Right. We see this almost like this this frenzy that the people are stirred into. And one thing that I'm like super fond of that we talked about this morning um, is the response of the disciples to the hostility that they experience. And so that's something we'll spend some time touching base on, right? How do the people of God respond to the hostility that they experience as a result of the proclamation of this good news of the coming of the kingdom. That's a lot, but there it is. And and, and, it's, and it's completely applicable for us, too, because we're called to do the same work yeah. that Paul and Barnabas are doing. We're called to proclaim the same gospel. And on this campus, in our community, you're going to get both. Yeah. How do you respond? What do you do? Absolutely. So, um, so there are your two sections. So what we're going to do now is walk through um, this passage and make some observations about it. Uh, which is kind of a, a great next step as, as a student of the Bible. Uh, we want to figure out what's on the page before we figure out what does it mean. Yeah. Um, so we're just going to walk through that, walk through this sermon. Um, I love, I want to bring it up first, I love in verse 15. So number one, Paul and Barnabas know that they're going into a Jewish synagogue when they get to this town. They roll in, and they sit down, and the guys are like, hey, if you guys want to encourage us, like, come on with it, you know? Like, it's such a, it's such a, uh, it's such an invitation to bring the word. But the end of verse fifteen, it says, "Say it, man." How simple! I mean, and and, and Paul, he's gonna say it, right? He's gonna bring the gospel. Um, but man, it's a, an interesting detail. I think that's so interesting. Yeah. You know, if you got any word of encouragement for the people, say it. You know, it's a lot of application there, but we'll keep moving, you know, to proclaim the gospel. And then and then what happens? Um, look at verse 16. Paul stood up, motioning with his hand. Men of Israel, and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers, made the people great during their stay in Egypt. You know, Paul begins this sermon with saying, look, I want to remind you 
of, of, a, of a God, and I want to remind you of his people. His people that God has chosen to work through. And really the rest of the sermon is how God is choosing, how God's working through this people. Yeah, Paul is, uh, let's make a massive understatement. Paul does contextualization very well. Kirk, tell us what contextualization is. Okay, so Paul gets, right, like he is among a people who are about to be like ultra familiar with the sermon that he is going to preach. Okay, there are details that are included as Paul talks to this particular audience that if he were talking to a primarily Gentile audience, he wouldn't have included. Like what? Let me give you an example. Okay, men of Israel and you who fear God, listen, the God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. Okay, he's contextualizing there for his Jewish audience, right? Why? Well, because they're familiar with what we're seeing Paul reference here, which is the enslavement of God's people in the land of Egypt, Yeah. right? Exodus. Yeah. Yeah. He knows, he knows his audience. Yes. Right? He knows that they know their Old Testament. Um, they know the history of, of Abraham and all his children. Yes. And, and Paul says, look, I'm going to, I'm going to, sh- I'm going to connect the dots. And I'm going to bring this full circle in how Jesus fulfills all this. And, but before he gets there, man, this sermon is, is, is about how God's working through that people. Mm-hmm. He reminds them that they are a people. Yeah. That God, they're God's chosen people. That God, from the beginning of time, y'all, God has been putting together a people that he can show himself to and show his glory through. They go all about it, go all about it Genesis chapter 1. Like, who do we see? Not just Adam, but Adam and Eve. Like there's two of them, right? We get to the the uh, to the Exodus, to this uh, their time in Egypt, and there's this nation formed, millions of people. And then the, your your Old Testament and your Bible is about how God's working through this people. Yeah. To and and then that's that's the history of the church, right? We yeah. get to Acts, and and it's now a church. And then you go to all the way to the end of the Bible, Revelation seven, and there's this there's this picture, of this huge. There's a supper, and every tribe, every tongue is there. A people that God has chosen, that God has worked through to show Himself to, mainly in Christ, that He's 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 working through. Yeah. So Paul takes a story. He takes a story for a people, and he shows them how much bigger it is than the details that they have chosen to rest in primarily. Like they're resting in what God has done in the past and totally forgetting about the progression of God's redemptive plan through this people for the nations, right? Like there you hear that you could talk through Paul with this people about the Exodus, God's deliverance of a people and his development of a people, his his calling and multiplying a people in Egypt and stop right there. But Paul Mm -hmm. doesn't stop. He continues on and he shows how this works towards something that is that is being played out yeah. right now, yeah. right? That we are seeing the story unfold. Absolutely. These guys are still waiting, right? Like they've, they've seen the faithfulness of the Father, right, um, to deliver them. And, and they would say, yes, we are his people. We are his covenant people. We're waiting on the Messiah. We're waiting on the king. Paul says, no, man, the king has come, Jesus right? Christ. And his kingdom is here. You put him to death. Yeah, and, yeah. So there's a progression yeah. to the story, yeah. right? So I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but that's where no. we're going. Like look at, so we talked about the Exodus. Look at verse 19. Uh, he reminds them of the fact that God did take them into the land that he had promised. Mm-hmm. The one way that God works through his people is he keeps his promises to his people. And 
the bad news is they get there, people are living there, right? But he delivers them over uh, places like Jericho through miraculous ways. You know, they march around this this town for six days and blow horns and yell and the walls fall down. Like he, he delivers them, right? And through this process, verse 20, of 450 years. So it's a long time. God's faith. Yeah. But he gives them the land. Absolutely. And he yeah. raises up these judges to lead them. But that's kind of a mess if you've read the book of Judges. But it's pointing to a greater leader that God is raising up to come. Then they, then they want a king, yeah. right? Verse, uh, verse 21, give us a king like the nations. Man, that would be good. Yeah. So God gives them Saul. Two two things I want to I want to tag on to what we're seeing here. As we see this story progress, we see the patience of God and the impatience of God's people. Okay, I think that's being drawn out here, especially if we're at all familiar with the time of the judges and the people's desire for a king. There's this there's this short sightedness amongst God's people, right, to where they observe. Um, the condition of the world and the leaders of the nations and they desire that for themselves, yeah, which is something, that. yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not to be desired. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get to David, uh, verse 22. Uh, David was a good king. <laughs> Man after God's own heart, but David was lacking. David only pointed them to to uh, to this this eternal king who would come and not just rule over one nation, but rule over all the nations. Um, And then he makes the tie to Jesus. He says, look, from David, the line of Jesse, we got Jesus. The Messiah came. um, A savior, verse 23, as promised. He talks about how John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus and, 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 and proclaimed this kingdom that Jesus was bringing about. And then in verse 26, Paul says, let me, let me catch everybody up. And then he addresses his audience. He says, brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, Jewish people. He's like, you're good with everything that I've said until now. Right? Because as Kirk said a minute ago, I want to continue the story and I want to show you how that Jesus comes and fulfills the Old Testament lays out this new covenant, this better covenant as the greater as the greater David, as the greater prophet, as the, the greater priest, the, the ultimate king, right? Yeah. All that we saw in the Old Testament, Jesus fulfills in a greater way, making possible the gospel. You want to know how? Paul says, you put him to death, mm-hmm. but verse 30, look at it, but, but God raised him from the dead. And that's what sets him apart. That's what makes the gospel a reality, is the resurrection of Jesus that Paul preaches in his sermon. Verse 32, and we bring to you the good news of what God has promised to the fathers, Mm -hmm. to your father, to Abraham. Everybody's good in the audience with Abraham, right? (laughs) Patriarch, you know, father of all. Father Abraham, man. They were one of his many sons, (laughs) if you grew up in church singing that song. (laughs) But they've missed Jesus. They've missed Jesus. And Paul's saying, look, it's him. And he quotes verse 33, verse 34. He quotes the Old Testament to show how the the scriptures fulfill themselves in Christ. Um, And then he calls them out. (laughs) And he says, your unbelief is going to bring about judgment on you. Um, Which takes us down to 38, 39, 40. Um, Talk a minute, Kurt, about this issue of the great news of the gospel that's in Paul's sermon, but then this issue of God's judgment that's coming upon um, people who, who don't believe. 
Yeah, so one thing that we talked about earlier today, which I think is super helpful, is recognizing where some of the where some of the content from the like last few portions of Paul's sermon here come from. Like he references he references something that we see in Habakkuk, where we see Verse 41. Verse 41, where where we see in Habakkuk, we're, we're talking of a uh, of uh, uh, an evil, wicked people bringing judgment upon God's people as a result of their disobedience, yeah. right? Like they are being judged as a result of the disobedience um, that they have participated in as it relates to the to and the they, testimonies of the Lord. And they can't believe it. Right. And they, they can't believe <laughs> they can't it believe that God it. would use a wicked nation to, to judge, judge his, them, people, his right? people, right? And now, as we fast forward and we come here, we see Paul speaking of a people, God's people's rejection of God's king, yeah. and how in that they are bringing judgment upon themselves, yeah. right? And the Gentiles are the recipients of the good news, yeah. right? That yeah. there is this tension, right? In Habakkuk, we see God's people being judged as a result of their disobedience by the Lord. Here, we see God's people heaping judgment upon themselves by rejecting Christ's deity and his his uh, his messiahship, right? And the Gentiles, as a result of the celebration that breaks out, hearing that this news is for them, are recipients of a grand reward. Yeah, yeah. So, so what we've got here, y'all, is this, is that that the audience for Paul's sermon are <laughs> kind of like the church kids. They're the people who grew up around the church. I'm, I'm trying to bring it in, in our context. They're, they're the religious privilege, man. They've heard... Um, they've, they've, they're, they're, they got the, they got the right family. They got the yeah. church family. They've heard. Paul says earlier on in his sermon, he says, listen, everything that I'm talking to you about, you guys hear every Sabbath, yeah. like all of the law and all of the prophets this is what point you do towards at the synagogue. reality of this. this like is what you do Christ fulfills it. You hear it all the time. Yeah. There is this expectation that yeah. comes along with yeah. the privilege, yeah. right? Of being saying, God's covenant people. So he's saying, look, if anybody's going to see this. If anybody's going to get the gospel, if anybody's going to see how Christ the Messiah fulfills everything that you claim to, to believe, it should be you. It should be you. But he's saying it's not. And how God is working through that is not surprising. Habakkuk talk about, talked about it. That because your eyes are, are, are blinded, because you're closed off to, to Christ and his gospel, because you're going to be judged. And the very ones who were not privileged to getting getting God's word first, right? The Gentile people, every non-Jewish person in the world, like the gospel is for them too now and they are believing. Yeah. They're coming to know Christ and you, you who have had the scriptures, you who have been to church, right? You, you're, you're unwise in your unbelief. Yeah, and one thing that we've seen is we've been prepared for this moment as we've gone through Acts. This isn't like, this isn't a uh, you know a, a newsflash here as we come into Acts chapter thirteen. We've seen the Lord preparing His people yeah. for the Gentiles receiving of the gospel yeah. as we've worked our way up to this point in this in this chapter. Right? We've seen um, a Gentile family, right? A whole family like repent, believe, be baptized. Right? Like we've yeah. seen it happen already in the book right. of Acts. Right. And so this is just a continuation of what we've already been introduced yeah. to. So everybody following what we're saying here is that this whole Gentile issue is, is that the gospel of Jesus is a global gospel. It's not just for one people. It's not just for one race. It's not just for, for one type of people from one family or from one nation. 
but it's for everyone. And that, that has caused a ton of tension, <laughs> a ton of friction um, for the Jewish people, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and Paul is addressing that. He's working through that. And he's showing the power of God um, to, to, uh, to do just what he said, to continue to gather a people, to continue to show himself to that people, to work through them, um, ultimately to glorify himself through the proclamation of the gospel to the nations, yeah. which is, again, a theme, a biblical theme that we see from beginning to end of what God is doing in the world, in the world. So we've talked through the first section of, of kind of Paul preaching the word, the word, doing the work um, in power. A lot we could say, we'll, we'll tie the bow at the end. But then there's this whole second section of the response. So in your Bibles in verse 42, um, as we said in the beginning, we get these two contrasting results or responses. Some people are begging for more. <laughs> They're like, "Woo, this is good, man. Like we want this every day, right? Yeah. And then other people over there are like, hmm. This is not good. Yeah. This is not good because uh, this is not good. This is the <laughs> this is the scandalous message of grace. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, so the word is doing its work. The Gentiles are celebrating. They're believing. Um, the Jews are inciting uh, riots to to drive them out out of town. And Paul's saying, "Look, this is this is what the Bible says would happen. This is what this is what the prophets prophesied um, would." Um, would take place. So in this second section, um, a couple things, I don't know, just a couple things to to bring out. Um, I made a note too to go back for a second to verse 38. Um, I love what Paul says uh, about Jesus' gospel, that through this man, through Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you and by him, everyone who believes, right? Everyone, not just the Jew, but now anybody, um, is is freed from what? From everything from which you could not be freed from by the law of Moses. Yeah. What you could not do to save yourself, Jesus has done. Yeah. What you could not save yourself through through believing or doing or, or trying to be and, and, and all that stuff, Jesus has done. Man, it's the beautiful, like like Kurt just said, the scandalous message of grace. No matter who you are, what you've done, where you've been. What you're doing right now, like there's hope. Yeah, and it's it's through Jesus alone. And there is this there is this theme from beginning, middle to end of that helps inform our understanding of salvation and how it happens, right? And if we look at it through the course of this passage, it's all about what God does, right? Yeah, yeah. What God does to call a people, what God does to save a people, as only He can through the sacrifice of Christ, right? To like. All, I mean, all the way through. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this second section, we kind of said, we see the gospel's power. So if you're writing stuff down, man, the gospel's power mm-hmm. is evident here. Um, I jotted down verse 47. It's a, it's a message of salvation that's available to the ends of the earth, right? That the gospel can be carried as far as you can go, and, and you can know that it's, it's, it's worthwhile carrying it there, right? Because... Um, because it, it's to be preached and to believed upon. Then look at verse 48. When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing, glorifying the word of the Lord. As many as have been appointed to eternal life believed. So again, in verse 48, as Kurt was just talking about a second, we see that this gospel is all about God and what he's doing. This is not about them saying the right things and praying the right prayers and doing all that needs to be done to become a Christian. 
But it's about God who has, from the beginning, what we see in verse 17, that God's always choosing a people. Yeah. He's been choosing a people from the, before the world Your began. appointment is here, right? Man, Think about what an appointment is, man. man. Appointment is like, you yeah. make an appointment at the dentist. Like, you show up at your scheduled time and, and like, clean, and you go in Woo! and they like hook you up, man, right? You walk out <laughs> of there feeling like a million yeah, bucks, absolutely. Right? And what God had appointed to do, not just among the Jews, but now among the Gentiles, from before the world began, he is bringing about completion. It's coming into fruition. And how does it happen? Through the proclamation of the gospel. Yeah. Belief. Um, all the work of God. Through the power of the gospel. This is so incredible. Incredible. So what we see about, and we, we, we brought up a minute ago in verse 17, that God has been always, he's, he's chosen a people to, to show himself to and to, to make himself known through. He's continuing in verse 48 to grow that people. That the church is growing. The church is expanding. Um, and we see once again that what God has promised to do among the nations, he is doing. Yeah. That God keeps his promises to his chosen people. Not just now Jews, but now Gentiles. Yeah. The whole world. And so, so powerful. This is the history of the church, y'all. This is, this is, this is who here? we are. This here is how we is. got here, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, that God is gathering a people. And he's continuing to gather people, which then kind of sends us to the last section of the passage for tonight. And even towards... What we do, how do we respond? Because the people's growing. <laughs> right, this this church is continuing to grow, um, and through His power, through the goodness of the gospel, through the sovereignty of God, He uses us to get this message to the ends of the earth. Yeah, so cool, so powerful, so powerful. So we see the gospels spread, and then there is. And we'll just look at verse forty nine. Uh, it says the the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. You know, I know we've said this in here before, but isn't it good to be reminded that the gospel works? <laughs> that God's word will do the work, right? Maybe you've been stagnant in your wall. Maybe your church to you is, is kind of plateaued. And, and you, to be honest, you maybe are afraid to engage someone because you're not even really confident that, that God's faithful to save. Mm-hmm. Man, the word will spread. The word will do the word. God is faithful to, to continue to get the, the gospel out. But verse 50, the Jews incited everybody to, to, to drive them out of town. They start riling the ladies all so, up. <laughs> they go at the women, right? And the girls keep and, uh, head about you. <laughs> and uh, the leading men, right? <laughs> the who's who of the city and stirred up persecution, drove Paul and Barnabas out. So we need to say this. That when we are faithful to proclaim the gospel, that God is faithful to save, right? And we know that God is going to do his saving work. Among all people, no. All people are not going to believe, right? But he is faithful to save some. He has many people in this city. So he uses us to proclaim the gospel, and some believe. Yeah. But immediately, some drive you out of town. Yeah. Some hate you. Yeah. uh, As a response to... To sharing, which is which happens with us. I mean, like, let's be honest, you know. There's some of you in the room tonight to where if you go home and get too involved in conversation with your own family about the gospel and what God's doing, man, they're they're gonna shut you down quick. Yeah. You know, friends are gonna have I mean, like, this is not it's not weird, right? Yeah. We, we see this. So I guess from that we can say like we need to ask the question, do we approach 
like gospel proclamation and gospel engagement with this mindset, with this mentality that it will be met both with belief and with opposition? Like, do we get that? Do we understand that? That as we are faithful to share, right, of God's faithfulness to us, that it is going to be embraced by some and that it's going to be rejected by some. And by some, it's going to be rejected and met with hostility, yeah. right? Yeah. Now, here, Andrew and I were talking earlier, man, and I love the conclusion of this passage because, I, and this it speaks to my own heart, man, it convicts me, because I think the challenge for us is to understand that the message will be met with opposition and to respond as we see Paul respond here in this passage as he is met with opposition. Let's look at the end of the passage, what it says. Um, so they're driven out of their district. I'm not even sure what a district is, but it sounds a little bit bigger than a neighborhood, right? Like they're driven out of, of town. But verse 51, they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium, right? And so they're run out of town. Man, if we were run off of campus, like I can only imagine what the response would be. We would not first go to another campus. No, no. And so how do do. we as Christians respond? Let's get these realizations and let's say, man, like I am not going to be shook right like i'm not going to be shook i'm I'm not then it's not going to shake the foundations of my belief about who god is and his commitment to the advancement of the gospel and the 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 advancement of the church it's not going to shake me in fact it's only going to continue to affirm the realities of everything that we see over the course of the new testament right this is the expectation for the christian in light of what we see in the new testament yeah you go into like you, you go into a class tomorrow. I think Duncan and I were talking uh, last, maybe this week or last week. I can't remember now about a class that he's got that's going to have a really like hot button issue come up. It maybe already has. I don't know. Or this next week um, that's going to require from him a particular response in light of his Christian worldview, right? So how do we as Christians go into situations like that, right? Well, we go in and we faithfully proclaim the truth of God's word, expecting that it's going to be met with hostility, but that there is opportunity and potential for seed planting and transformation, regeneration. So don't get shook, man. Like go in there and go, man, like, like I might get cussed out, but like, Okay, like, am I shocked by that? Am I surprised by that? Yeah, we have to we have to check the fear of rejection, the fear of a tainted rep. Yeah, um, how people might think of us and perceive us. Y'all, we have to check that at the door. (laughs) Reps will wreck you, right? Like they completely throw us off course and and drive us out of a commitment to. That's what I say. They drive us away from the mission of God because because that rep that we're talking about. Is all about preserving yourself. Yeah. The mission that God's calling us to is about preserving him yeah. <laughs> and the gospel. That's you know? good. So, so we want to say that their response as they, and you, you read verse 52, the disciples were filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. That even being run out of town, we're going to the next spot and we're still yeah. we're still joyful. That's the other side. We didn't get that far. Not only are they not shook, but they remain joyful. They got joyful. Like, they got joyful. They are, no, they are joyous. Joyous. They have joy, 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 joy. Down, down in their, their heart. heart deep, right? deep, deep, down, down in, in their, their hearts, hearts, right? Yeah. Spell it. I mean, you know, J-O-Y. <laughs> Again, if you didn't grow up in church, that was a song we sang when we were kids. Um, 
There you go. And emotions. Man. Lauren's going to teach those next She's going to do those yeah, after we awesome. if you guys want to hang out. So, so look, y'all. Like, expect what's going to come. That God's faithful to save, but there's going to be rejection. Yeah. And that does not leave us opportunity for questioning God's call in our lives. Yeah. To whining about not being accepted and being being done wrong. I just man. need one more whiner, man, before I come unhinged. Like, just one more. <laughs> don't. If you don't whine more, a lot. You better take it to Andrew. Don't come to me. Don't. No, I don't do that. I got a two-year-old right now, and she gives me enough whining, right? Yeah. And a five-year-old. So I don't need any more, right? <laughs> And, and we ain't got time for whining. We got time for joy. Yeah. And continual advancement of the gospel, right? Yeah. Now, let's be honest for a second. Some of y'all, this doesn't apply to you because you're not sharing the gospel. You're not engaged in You're the not mission. proclaiming the word. Yeah, yeah. Like you, you are consumed with you and what you got to do for homework tomorrow and Netflix. Or maybe it's just learning more about this yeah. without ever actually like. So some of you are like, man, I don't really feel that. So, man, I must be. No, no. You don't feel that because you're not engaging in the mission of Christ. So we want to say that, not, you know, another lesson learned from Paul is that he was confident in sharing the gospel. He knew his audience. And, y'all, he could articulate the gospel. Yeah. You know, you need to ask the question tonight, if I get the opportunity to share the gospel with, not invite them to church, not even tell them about your testimony, but to share the gospel tomorrow, can you do that? Can I put those those those? What would I together? say? Yeah. What would I say? And if you answer that question with, I don't know, Kirk and I are here for you. We would love to talk through that. But you gotta, you gotta, you got to have this perspective. You've got to have this attitude and this joy that comes from the Spirit. Um, it comes from, uh, it comes with the ability to, to respond rightly in the difficult, in the, in the tough, in the persecuted, in the rejection, all because of the, the Spirit in us. All of this is a, this is a supernatural work, right? Yes, like yes. we are not calling you in and of your own strength to engage in this type of life because it's a total impossibility. Like yes. don't even waste your time, okay? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, you yeah. can't do this on your own. Hey, that's kind of like the right. point, right? Is that we're brought to a to an understanding of our own inability, yeah. right? Our weakness and, and relying on the strength of the Spirit to engage in the work of, the, of God for the advancement of the gospel and the right. glorification of Jesus. Yeah. That's what it's all about, right? Yeah. It's a Spirit-empowered work, okay? And so maybe for some of us, the prayer tonight is like, Lord, convict my heart to be engaged in your mission amongst your people for your glory, right? And maybe for some of us, it's, Lord, like, help me to get outside of myself understanding that it isn't by my bootstraps that this work is accomplished, right? right? But you do this. You do this in me, um, and you do it amongst this people. And when we get that, <clears throat> I don't think anything, there's nothing that stands in our way. Yeah. This joy in some ways, and this is a, a, a deeper topic for a deeper day or whatever, but like this joy has a lot of effects in our life. And, and one of the effects is perseverance. That you will continue in this work yeah. all the days of your life, even if you're rejected most of these days. I told this story before. Our church supports a missionary who's a missionary in Senegal, and he has worked among Muslim peoples for the last 35 years. And y'all, it was 22 years of him and his family living there and laboring among these people before they saw one person respond to the gospel. 22 years. Mm -hmm. But he didn't give up. Why? Because he got, he got 
that Lord, he's called to, to, to proclaim. Yeah. He's called to work. To, so God brings the harvest. Yeah. Is there, was there rejection and persecution? Absolutely. But there was something greater driving him. And I think it was his joy yeah. that comes from the Spirit alone. It took the people of God 450 years to go yeah. like into the land. Absolutely. Right? Like yeah. it takes, yeah. a, there's a, it's a long time, right? Yeah. But let's remember that God is persistent, right? That's that right. he is persistent That's and right. that he is successful, yeah. right? Yeah. That his mission is sure. And so as we engage in that work, we can be confident that he will prove himself yet again faithful because he has, right? We have the history of his faithfulness. Absolutely. So here's the main idea for tonight. Here's the heart of this. Is that what we're saying is that this spirit-given joy, right, that comes from God alone, is it empowers us to, to proclaim the gospel um, and, and to remain confident to the mission of God. Yeah. Um, and, and again, God alone can do that. So... So we're kind of saying that tonight, wherever you are, you need to begin engaging in the mission of God or you need to continue doing so. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that, those are the two camps that we're no doubt in tonight. Um, is what we're describing and what we're seeing here in Acts chapter 13 foreign to you? If it is, then one, respond to the gospel if you don't know Christ. Right? Repent and believe after hearing the story of what God's doing among people that, that, that despite who you are, by faith, faith in Christ and, alone, yeah. man, you can be forgiven of your sins and, and, and redeemed. But also, take up arms in this mission. Mm-hmm. Be about the proclamation of the gospel despite anything. Yeah. Despite come what may, man, nothing gets in our way. And, and what's interesting in addition to all of that is we see that this commitment to the advancement of the gospel as it displays itself and is manifest here in the lives of these guys also works for their own good as they are transformed, sanctified into the image of Christ, right? That they are uh, experiencing difficulty and hardship and suffering that, 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 you know, stands right alongside all that Christ has already endured and that we can be confident that endurance is possible because Christ has endured, right? Um, and so, so it's, it's a work amongst a people and it's a work amongst like, a person, right? Like it's a tr- it's a trans it's a transformative effect within our own lives. So what do we do with this? Like, right? Why does Luke write this in Acts? What is what is the first? Like, what God's people who read this long, long ago? What were they to see? What are we to see? Well, I think that, that Luke is clear for the church that they're to be <laughs> encouraged in how God's working, but then also to persevere in this work. And you know, that's the same for us. Like we. We, we can apply that truth the same way in our lives, yeah. to, to be encouraged and assured tonight that God is working among the nations to bring about the salvation of his people and that we are to come alongside him in that work yeah. and, and to continue in the, in, the, in the footsteps of those that we see in Acts 13 and to persevere. And to, to remain faithful and to, to be encouraged. To encourage one another, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I almost feel like, man, there's days where, like, I mean, it's hard. Everybody's having a hard time, right? Like, I feel like we all walk by one another on campus and just almost be like, you know, like, hey, man, like, stay strong over there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. do we really encourage one another like that? Like, hey, like, I get that it's tough. I'm with you. Let's yeah. row together, you know? And even go together. Yeah, totally. Like, you know, like share was like, like begin. Like one thing that tonight's got to do is it's got to make you list down some people that like I need to be praying for and engaging with. Yeah. And guess what? When that list gets a little intimidating, then I don't need to go at a lot. Like I can have these conversations 
Kirk and I can go together and, and talk to people. Like, man, take a take a friend, like engage in this mission together. Yeah. Um, with those around you and, and pray Good. for people and share with people. Um, and, and God's faithful. Yeah. God's faithful, man. I, I heard a, a, a testimony uh, a couple weeks ago of a lady, a family I grew up with, and she loved the Lord and was walking with the Lord. Her husband was lost. She prayed for him for 40 years. And last October, he came to the Lord. And like she's telling me, I'm just sitting there, I got tears, man. Like, it's insane how God works, right? Like, his timing is not our timing, right? She prayed for him for 40 years, right? Could have given up on him, but no, she persevered in the Word. She took joy in Christ to continue to pray, to continue to share. And God, God's faithful, man. He's faithful to save. So let's pray that he would help us uh, to that end. Lord, we love you so much. And we thank you that you love us and that you uh, initiate with us this, this, this relationship. Uh, the, the, you give us the, the gospel, the, the good news of the gospel, Lord, for our salvation. We thank you for that. We thank you for the, the message of hope. And Lord, we pray that we are convicted also uh, by the judgment we see uh, in you, that, that, that it would uh, encourage us and, and send us out to be timely in how we would take the gospel to the nations. So Lord, help us to, to know that you're faithful, that you that you're powerful, that you're able, and that God, we would go with perseverance, with joy um, in, in all that we do, Lord, serving you and proclaiming your word um, to the ends of the earth. Um, so Lord, help us, uh, help us do that. Um, help us he- help each other do that um, as we as we're here on campus, as we live in our community, our schools, our jobs, the places that we live, um, the, the places we go, Lord, help us to see the opportunities we have every day to engage um, and engage uh, for your glory and your glory alone, Lord. We pray all this in your name. Amen. 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 Well, like we said, man, thanks for being here tonight. Um, it's kind of what we do, right? So we'll do this every week. It's right at 10, so we're about an hour long. But here's what I want you to challenge you to do. There's a bunch of you in the room tonight who don't know anybody else in the room tonight. Um, so before you go, before you hit the doors, man, like three people, um, say hello, get their name, figure out where they're from, what year they are, that kind of that sort of thing, and uh, talk to a few people before you head out. Yep. Any other announcements? No, man. Uh, D group tomorrow morning. Yeah, uh, eight thirty. Yep, eight thirty at Starbucks. We'll yeah. start. Uh, we'll start Exodus. Yeah. So familiar um, passage in light of what we saw tonight. I let a D. I lead a D group on Monday mornings, um, uh, and we're working through Genesis this year. So those are both open groups. You can come to them. You can invite them. Uh, invite to them both Starbucks Monday eight Thursday mornings eight thirty. Man, we'd love to connect with you guys on a deeper level. So yeah. we're here for you. All right. Y'all have a great night. See you next week.